You know I don't know much about tennis. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been reliably informed. I love. I I, I know the sport. Yeah, I just, I you've heard of been, tennis. I, <laughs> I haven't been following. I just don't know who's involved. I mean, I know the the big guys here. Um, but, I'm not going to test you, but who are the big guys? Well, just Jovac Novak. Jovac. <laughs> yeah. Is that his name? Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic. Yeah, yeah that's right. Jovac um, Novak and um, uh, Coco. Someone. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Coco pops. Go go. Cough. Go, go, stop. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know who else. That's There's right. an Australian dude called Alex, yeah, uh, whose surname I forget, like Domino's or something. Yeah. That's him. Alex Domino's. <laughs> he sells pizzas in his spare time. Oh my God. Amazing. Um, yeah. you got to make a start somewhere. Should we make a start? Yeah, sure. Hi everyone. John Huvenars with a bonus episode of the AO Show. The Australian Open attracts spectators from all walks of life and sectors of industry. One such observer at AO24 was an Aussie showbiz legend whose creativity spans the silver screen, TV and theatres the world over. After the success of his award-winning musical Matilda, composer Tim Minchin recently returned to Melbourne with another box office smash currently playing at the Princess Theatre. And while he was in town, he stopped by the AO show to compare notes on two of the world's great spectacles, musical theatre and tennis. Enjoy my interview with the multi-talented Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin, welcome to the AO Show. Thanks, John. Thanks for uh, having me. It's wonderful to have you here. And you're a different type of guest because we usually speak to players, coaches, experts. commentators. Experts. I mean, I can pretend to be an expert in nearly any subject. Yeah. Tennis, I'm going to struggle. Like, I could I could talk about the physics of it, but um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind on who's good now. That's fine. We mm-hmm. might just give that a wide berth. Okay, great. But right. what brings you here to the Australian Open and to Melbourne? Well, I'm in Melbourne because one of the musicals I wrote music and lyrics for, uh, Groundhog Day, is opening next week or the week after, a couple of weeks. So I'm down here to kind of check in on the rehearsals and uh, make sure the band is rocking. And uh, yeah, and Andy Carl, who's our star, uh, who has been the star of this show in London, then on Broadway, then back in London, and now has come to Melbourne. Uh, he's amazing. He's also a tennis fan. And he said, I'm going to be in Melbourne during uh. during the Australian Open. Can we go? And I'm like, yeah, I think we can go. So here we are on opening night. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's brilliant. I like the synergy between sport and showbiz. Yeah. And I thought as a good angle for yeah. this brief interview that we might – touch on a few of those commonalities between yeah. the two industries. So I've yeah. sort of picked out four concepts, entertainment, composition, nice. audience, and celebrity. Look at you. This is quite highbrow. <laughs> well, we'll see can, how it goes. Can I use big words? You can, absolutely. Okay, awesome. So people think I'm smart? Yeah, we, please do. Okay, go. Now, whether it's the stalls of the Princess Theatre mm-hmm. or the President's Reserve at Rod Laver Arena, yeah. Melburnians love a good show. So what are the ingredients of a good show? Well, I guess you want heroes and villains, which uh, audiences of sport choose themselves. Audiences of theatre kind of get told who the goodies and baddies are. That's something I love about sport Mm. and I love sport is how we build sort of classic narratives out of the raw material of sport. So we choose someone to be our goodie and we choose Collingwood to be our baddie, (laughs) you know, for example. Um, And then we get to know those characters. We get to know at least our version of the personalities of the players, right? Again, in theatre, the writer helps you with that. But in sport, we kind of invest in whoever we want to invest in and we follow them through their highs and lows. So by the time we get to the 
third act, as we'd call it in a film, or the second act in a musical, or the final, the semi-finals of a, of a tennis tournament, we're hyper-invested in the outcome. And we know that that player lost the third and fourth set of the third round, and we know that that player had an injury two years ago or lost their cousin in a car accident. We, we know everything so that we bring all our investment to it. So I guess we have all those ingredients. We have redemption and we have highs and lows and then we have um, overcoming obstacles and all the things that we love mm. in stories uh, we have in sport as well. That's a good observation. I guess the key difference is that here we do unscripted drama. Yeah. It all plays out in real time. Yeah. You have the, I guess, the privilege of crafting a narrative. Yeah. What does it take to craft a narrative and how are players, do you think, similar in the way that they compose points compose matches that's interesting because i mean what what perhaps is more similar in sport and something like theater like in a film you control everything you control the you can't control how the actor does their job mm. but you can get 10 takes if they're not doing what you True. want you control the light you control the moment you cut to the other shot you control the words they say the music that goes you control everything in theater every time you go on stage it is in a way like a, a game because you've done all the prep you can possibly do. Everyone's got the things they have to do. In tennis, of course, it's a solo game, although they have their teams and their coaches and their gear and all the things that, like we have our microphones and our director. Um, but stuff can go wrong. And, uh, on the other hand, stuff can go very, very right. You have amazing nights when you're a, when you're a live theater performer and you know, the audience is on your side and your voice is feeling good and your body's feeling good and, um, and your co-cast members are feeling good and the band's rocking it. There is something magical about it, something improvised about it. There is a, there is that kind of indescribable other thing that yep. sometimes the kicks in the X factor, right? Um, of course, what you don't have in the theatre is an opposition trying to undo you the whole time. <laughs> Hopefully So not. I guess no, that's right. Sometimes you have an audience that feels mm. like the enemy, uh, crossing their arms <laughs> and sneering. Um, but uh, the other thing I love about it in, in terms of sort of composition or at least craft is that it does take 10,000 hours or whatever number you want to pick to be able to do what Andy, our Andy does mm -hmm. or to be able to do what... Um, Nova. You know, Jovac Nokovic does. And so, so um, uh, you know, it, it is that thing where you, you put your whole life into your craft and then on the day it either goes well or it doesn't. Um, but as a arty type who loves sport, I have to admit, and a lot of my artsy friends like hate sport because there's that sort of jock nerd divide. I love it and I love particularly the improvised nature that you don't know the ending mm. of a sports match. I do think it is the ultimate theatre in a way. Okay. So you sound like you know a lot more about tennis than you previously revealed. I just <laughs> think it's more, you know, conceptual. Well, notion. I love sport and, yeah. and I played a lot of, I actually played field hockey, you know, not, you know, sort of second grade, okay. never, never quite premier. Um, in West Australia. Yeah, in West Australia up until my mid twenties. So I'm, I'm a sporto, I'm a secret sporto, yeah. Yeah, okay. And and finally, the notion of celebrity, which is sort of a touchy subject. In the tennis world, never before have these athletes been under such spotlight yeah. to, to borrow from your industry. Yeah. What do you think of the notion of celebrity? Is it something that should be embraced by the stars? Do you understand why some shy away from it? Yeah, I think the unfair thing is it, it, it's not up to us 
what our personalities are. You mm. know, we're emergent entities. And if you're like, I know guys who are unbelievable comedian or, or, or people who are fantastic actors and writers, and they're just not good with people. They're just really shy or just really anxious. And, and so they might have a reputation for being rude to journalists or rude to people on the street. You get someone else like me, I, I'm, I've, I'm really happy to talk to people on the street. I would never say no to a photo or whatever, but that's, that's not because I'm a, a, you know, good guy. It's because I, I'm just wired to not mind. It's natural you know? for you. And I think some sports people are really good at it and some people aren't. And what's terrible about it is that we demand equal performance of all of them. I know we don't, the media doesn't, but, but we, the public think celebrities all owe us a certain level of revelation, a certain level of discourse. And it's just, I mean, I'm, I could be really boring about this, but I just am not, I've never bought a celebrity magazine. I have never read a gossip website. I do not care about the lives of artists. I do not care about the lives of sports people. And I wish there was a bit more of that. I, why do we expect sports people to be everything to us, to have all the political opinions we want them to have? But, but what, what is it about us that expects just because someone's in the public eye that they're suddenly going to be the full representation of everything we dreamed that they would be? Like, they're good at tennis. Yeah, you know, strange. Desire yeah. to want to be close to that which we will never be. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Like or that. if I was that person, I'd be so grateful. I mean, that's, that's a big thing, and I totally understand that. If you watch someone getting paid 10 million bucks a year to play a sport and then they're rude, at, I get where it comes mm. from. But, yeah, I, I've been close enough to enough... Um, highly successful elite people in various fields to know that you just don't know what they're going through. And 10 million bucks a year doesn't stop you being miserable if you're miserable and, and doesn't make you an extrovert if you're an introvert and doesn't... Sounds like song lyrics. Yeah, you're... man. I'm rapping here. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> I like it. Oh, it's a got... rap battle. Your turn. <laughs> well, um, I can't come back with a stanza. What I can come up with you is a final question. That was pretty rhythmic, actually. I can't yeah. come back with a stanza. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. we can work with it. Yeah. Final question. I know you're a self-confessed uh, non-tennis fan, but if you were to write, if you had to write a musical about this sport, any aspect of it, how do you think you would approach it? What would you go after? Well, um... I'm a fan of tennis. I'm just um, disconnected from, I just haven't been keeping up. I, I really love tennis, actually. I think it's a beautiful sport. And I've actually, it's an extraordinary, like most sports, it is rich for metaphor, you mm. know, like you could have ideas that are like, you know, that just landed in the tram line, you know, like yes. you could, you can create art, which is like you, I don't know, clipped your heel as you'd try to jump the net. It's, I use uh, a tennis metaphor um, in, in one of my speeches actually to charmingly quote myself, okay. um, because I, the, perhaps the political thing I've been most engaged in for the last 15, 20 years is talking because I'm, my training's kind of in, um, in philosophy of logic sure. and nerdy stuff. And I'm very interested in how we, um, form opinions and are very biased towards, uh, beliefs that we already hold and all this nerdy stuff. Confirmation and I, bias. Confirmation bias, that sort of stuff. I once talked about how if, um, if we don't examine our own ideas, um, and we don't find a shared premise when we're arguing with people, um, then we'll all end up just hitting perfect shots from either end of two different tennis courts. I like it. Right. So I would write a song, uh, built around that. Cause I reckon it's a pretty kinky little metaphor. Yeah.
and faults and double faults. Yeah, oh, there's so double. much. Yeah, yeah. Right towing the, the line. I mean, I wrote a whole song about um, not stepping outside the line when you're a hammer thrower for mm-hmm. Matilda. So uh, there's precedent for the sports metaphor. Well, the ball's in your court. Oh, wow. That was amazing. Quick, press, <laughs> pot, stop. That's the perfect end.